Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. I'm your host, Brian C. Adams. Tune in weekly to hear from top industry leaders as we discuss relevant topics in the world of business, investing, health and wellness, geopolitics, and more. To learn more about the show, visit excelsiorgp.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Capital Club podcast. Today with me, Adam Jason. Adam is a partner at Legacy Group, which is a leading alternative investment firm with 50 million plus assets under management. And today we're going to be talking about Latin America, South America, investing, investing into coffee and all kinds of other things. So Adam, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Brian, appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me. So when I was doing some research on you guys and we did our pre-call, this conversation around allocating capital to, let's just call it Latin America, which is a pretty broad tent that we can use for this discussion it's been in the news a lot, right? That there's a lot of exciting things happening there, but there's also a lot of, it seems, geopolitical risk, especially on the political side. So what attracted you initially and how did you end up down where you are? What did that journey look like? Yeah, I guess a little bit of background leading up to that point. So today I'm talking to you from Medellin, Colombia, in South America here. I've been down here for six years arrived January 2018. My, my background before that was as a capital markets attorney in the U.S. So I practiced at two of the largest law firms there. My clients were Fortune 500 companies and Wall Street investment banks. So I worked on IPOs, raising money in both the public and private markets, corporate governance, et cetera. I was at the point in my career, really, where I was kind of thinking about what my next steps would be. I was at a law firm in Dallas, received an offer for a firm in Houston, had a month between, ended up doing some traveling and spending some time down here in Colombia, and just saw a ton of opportunity being on the ground, which I think is, to your point, something that kind of has to be done or trusted people on the ground that can find the right opportunities because you're right, you know, Latin America can be a tricky place. It's, it's, I think, a mistake to even generalize one country to another. 
Mexico is going to be very different than Colombia. Obviously, Argentina has its own unique issues. You know, the, li- the list goes on and on. But saw a lot of opportunity here. Saw a, I'd say, a groundswell of interest from U.S. investors looking for projects overseas, maybe running out of opportunities or tired of seeing maybe the same old thing in the U.S. and looking for some some arbitrage. So picking back up with kind of the personal story and what led me here, my now business partner was starting at the time the Green Coffee Company, which is really the principal portfolio company within Legacy Group, which is our asset management firm. And he was looking for some help raising the initial capital for the call it seed or series A funding rounds for the Green Coffee Company. So I started helping with the business back, you know, in my part-time or free time, I should say, when I was back in the U.S., as I, as I mentioned, saw that potential on vacation, saw the potential of the business itself as I was working on it from the U.S. and really made the decision to make the entrepreneurial jump from the big law firm world, sell everything I had, sleep on an air mattress for a while, and then come down here full time. But yeah, since I've been down here, you know, see the opportunity that's out there. Um, definitely where there is, I would say, breaks in the system or call it dysfunction or however you like to define it or, or label it, you know, there, there definitely creates opportunity as well. That's what we've seen in coffee. That's what we've seen in other industries down here. I think other entrepreneurs and investment managers that are presenting opportunities to a U.S.-based audience are seeing the same thing. They're seeing those fra- fractures that give rise to opportunity. What was the biggest adjustment you had to make coming from America down to where you are. Have you been in the same location the whole time, generally speaking? I have. I have. Okay. I've been in Medellin for the last six years. You know, the, the, the biggest adjustment is just learning how to do business in, a, in another country. And that can be how the legal system works. It can be how the culture works, what the mindset is from a worker standpoint or from management standpoint how capitalistic are people here versus they might be if you're hiring people in New York or someplace in the U.S. or, you know, it's, it's just often comes with a different mindset, different sense of urgency. So it's, it's things that you can only learn, I think, being on the ground. I've heard, I have not been, but Colombia seems to be like the new hot destination. It's like the new Vegas. A lot of people are going there for bachelor parties and bachelorette parties or for like long extended weekends from Miami. Have you kind of felt and seen that growth take place since you've been down there? Yeah, I mean, you'll find this interesting. As as a real estate investor, the prices here in the city have have really gone up. There's some pushback even from the local community about the amount of investment properties that are being bought by foreigners because, you know, we've been going through about the last year and a half of a really strong dollar versus the peso. So a lot of people have been investing here. Uh, the Airbnb tourism market is really hot. I think tourism's up like 62% year over year into Medellin. So it's, it's definitely a place people want to come. Great nature. Cost is, is very affordable, which is attractive to people. As you mentioned, it's an easy flight from Miami, Fort Lauderdale. You're going into Bogota, which is the capital down here. There's direct flights from Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, Los Angeles, so threadably accessible U.S. central time zone, so it's easy for people. We see a kind of a move towards like digital nomads and people that are working remotely coming down here because of the proximity and ease of 
continuing to work on a, a U.S.-based schedule. So things have definitely picked up even in the last few years that I've been here. That, that's for sure. Yeah, I know from YPO world, the time zone mm-hmm. thing is not insignificant. It's really nice that you don't have to like right. shift your time zone dramatically to access maybe a, a cheaper workforce, or even if you want to relocate there as a you said a digital nomad. It's you can still maintain that East Coast time zone, and which is really beneficial. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, on your website, you talk about how Latin America is this generation's China opportunity from an investing standpoint. I know you don't want yeah. to generalize all, an entire continent, but maybe using Colombia as an example, what makes you say that? What are the characteristics you like about it? And what are some of the fact patterns that might remind you of what China was like 10 or 20 years ago? Sure. Yeah, I think... Latin America as a whole has been, from a capital standpoint, largely overlooked. If you look at the GDP per capita, so on a per-person basis, between China and, and Latin America, it's, it's essentially equivalent. Yet you have China receiving 20 times the amount of investment that is coming into to Latin America. And this is what we're talking about, you know, in private, private company investing specifically. So if you're just looking at a, how do I make money based on productivity? It doesn't make sense that that differential would exist where so much capital is going into a a market that has the same essential output. So we think there's an opportunity there and more people should be, should be looking at Latin America because of that, because of that growth potential. And I think that's, you know, that, that China number is, is, gets the benefit of being highly capital fueled. You know, the output that's coming from Latin America is is just the opposite. It's, it's very capital restrained. Very little equity investment comes into the market typically on a proportional basis, as we mentioned, versus going into more developed markets. And then for for most kind of entrepreneurial endeavors, businesses, it can be very challenging to tap into local debt, funding. Etc. So you have a lot of people doing a lot with a lot less. And, and have you seen a lot of foreign capital being allocated in country? Yeah this this year was speaking about Colombia specifically was the the record in terms of foreign direct investment coming into the country. So I think during the first six months of the year it was about seven seven to eight billion dollars right in there maybe seven point eight. In, in that ballpark. And just two years ago, it was like 2.3. I think uh, last year was about 5.3. So you're seeing this, this upward trend in terms of investment coming into the country. I think there's a lot of investments still going into the, the mining and petroleum businesses and extraction type businesses and, and not as much as should be going into call it technology or, or other industries. A, a large portion of that foreign investment is, is dominated by those two, those two sectors. But if you, if you subdivide them again, you still can, can continue to see that upward rise in, in investment coming into startup opportunities, other industries like, like coffee, like we, touched on so you're seeing that you're seeing that interest i think it's i think it's largely a result of opportunities available like for speaking about us based investors for example i think it's it's stems from 
what I think people still see as very highly overpriced and volatile public markets. I think real estate has become more and more challenging for investors in, in the last year or so as, as interest rates make things, make things more difficult. So you start to see, I'd say, people looking elsewhere for, for other opportunities. And, and Latin America has been a, a beneficiary of that, for sure. And how robust is the capital markets ecosystem there? Do you have institutional, either foreign or domestic, private equity operating in country now? There's some private equity operating. It's not on a not on a large scale. You know, we saw like SoftBank come in, call them a it's more of a venture backed opportunity and looking for more of those opportunities. But they made a big bet in the country with their Latin America fund a couple of years ago. But it's not nearly it's not nearly getting the attention from from the the household P names in in the U.S. that we would know. And then the the capital markets here themselves. You don't have a liquid, you have a stock exchange, but it's not, it's, it's not like the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ from a liquidity standpoint. It tends to be, I think right now there's about 40 companies that are listed on it. And some of those are conglomerates and they have a couple of different subsidiaries on there. So, you know, it's maybe actually 20 issuers or, or kind of holding companies that are, are actually on the exchange. So it's not a robust capital market where you're seeing a lot of IPOs. What what most companies do that have success here is they actually tend to list in in the U.S. And so, uh, you know, along those lines, accessing those type of in-country opportunities has always been a real challenge for let's just say U.S. investors, right? We we know the story. Yeah. D- demographics are strong. It's a great growth story. There's a lot of opportunity. We've yep. usually had to resort to proxy investments in order to kind of access those type of deals. And when private equity has come in, there's been a real challenge if they try to do it remotely. And you obviously Mm -hmm. are an example of a boots on the ground operator. So what are some of the challenges that other folks might face trying to access these deals where, you know, you can solve them because you are kind of living and breathing it every day? Yeah, I mean that's that's the void we saw and the opportunity we saw that we could capture on, you know, focus specifically on Colombia for the moment, but you know, Latin America is a big place a lot of opportunity, but you know, all right, all right, when I got here, we saw we started to see that interest growing from US investors looking for opportunities but faced with that same challenge that you you mentioned, especially when it came to investing in I'd say business enterprises versus you know, a one-off syndication for real estate or, or, or things along those lines. So what we wanted to do is build real businesses here that could leverage the opportunity and, and give access to U.S. investors who were interested in something like that. So, for example, you know, we, we really started in coffee. We started the Green Coffee Company in 2017 on the back of those investors who were looking for an opportunity here. We've grown that business to be the largest producer of coffee in the country now, about three times larger than, than anybody else, in fact. And the whole growth of the business has been because of the investment we received from U.S. investors. We have about 450 investors to date. U.S. high net worth accredited makes up probably 90% of, of everybody that we have invested with us. And we've brought about $65 million into the country. The opportunity, I'd say, has to be big enough for investors to take the jump from Miami to Medellin. 
you know, it has to, the return potential has to be high enough to be exciting because people still do see an additional risk factor involved in, in being in a different country, different continent, uh, Latin America in, in general. But there's, there's definitely that, that interest if you can find, I'd say, big enough opportunities that are understandable and that investors can see the, the true potential of. We've been lucky to capture that with, with what we're doing down here. Yeah. So before we get into specifics, I'm also curious about your commentary yeah. on how the U.S. dollar strengthening so dramatically over the past few months impacts investment opportunities that you're seeing in Colombia. It's probably an anecdote is just the, the most helpful way to look at it. You know, when we started buying farms back in 2017, we were looking at a exchange rate of about 3,000 Colombian pesos to each U.S. dollar. We were negotiating deals on that basis. Over the last year and a half, we've seen the peso go from 3,000 to one all the way up to 5,000 plus to one. Exceptional family offices, family enterprises, wealth management, and financial services organizations require superior leadership to successfully thrive in today's competitive environment. Building a team of talented leaders is a complex challenge that is best accomplished in partnership with a firm that offers a proven track record of success, which is why I'd like to introduce you to our new sponsor, Mac International. Mac International is recognized as the premier boutique firm that specializes in providing retained executive search and strategic human capital consulting solutions to single and multi-client family offices, family enterprises, and the full spectrum of wealth management advisory, investment management, and financial services firms that serve ultra-high net private investors and family offices on a national and international basis. If you're interested in learning more about Mac International, visit their website at www. MacInternational.com. The market here in Colombia does does not respond as quickly as exchange rates would 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 fluctuate in, in in the market. But we've been doing deals over the last year and a half, paying essentially the same asking price that we had back in 2017, but at a dollar that's 66 to between 33 to 66% stronger against the peso than it, than it was even five years ago. So if you just make investments at that, on that basis, there's an arbitrage opportunity to be had where you're buying assets cheap and really just by currency normalization, you stand to benefit besides the additional appreciation or if there's a cash flow component to what you're investing in. I think it's a unique opportunity to make capital go farther for investors that are putting capital into businesses. And I think, you know, if you're looking at it from a real estate standpoint, especially now with how, how just, just like in the U.S., the debt markets here have gotten particularly tighter. You know, basically, the whole kind of world throws off what the U.S. Fed is doing. So if you're somebody who's operating in U.S. dollars and you're able to buy assets for the same price you could have got them in 2000, the same asking prices you could have got a couple of years ago, you know, just that normalization, you really could, you really can make some deals happen as you, as you're coming in from a strong cash, cash standpoint. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's only going to continue, honestly, just given where we are. So you're, you're there, you see a huge amount of opportunity. Obviously you could go in a lot of different directions 
Why yes. did you choose farmland agriculture? Yeah, yeah the, really the backstory for, I'd say it was investor-led, customer-led for the opportunities that we went for. When I got down here, the investors that were looking at the market were primarily looking at, at real estate opportunities. And we said, okay, we can do real estate or we could offer something that's a little bit, that, that functions like real estate in the sense that it's asset backed. There's a cash flow component to it, but provides some diversification away from commercial real estate and, and uh, short term rentals, what have you. So we saw that big opportunity in agriculture. Everybody knows Colombian coffee. You know, the two are kind of synonymous. So it's an easy story to tell. It's easy for investors to comprehend and understand the opportunity. Probably they buy it in the grocery store when they when they go or they've they've grown up, you know, with that with that notion in their mind of, of high quality coffee coming from Colombia. So really where the business began was just to compete against commercial real estate. So consolidate infrastructure, consolidate farms, find a higher yielding product than you'd make if you were to invest in, in commercial real estate here. What we eventually saw, and of course we, we really didn't plan for everything that the, that the market presented to us, but you know, we looked at coffee a couple of years into it and said, wow, this market is really fragmented. No investment's been coming into the market really in 40 years. You have 95% of all the farmland and coffee in the country owned by farmers who hold five acres or less. So very fragmented processing facilities are really... Wait, um, can, you re- can you repeat that? Sure. Yeah, so 95% of all the coffee farmland here in the country is owned by farmers that have five acres or less. So your average farmer has less than five acres. And it represents 40% of the global market? Is that Colombian coffee makes up Colombian coffee makes up about fourteen percent of the 14, global market. Okay. It's the third third largest third largest coffee producing in the in the world. Wow. Okay. So you just have a like an, an industry that hasn't received capital. The ways of doing business fifty years ago are still how people do things now. Farmers don't invest. They're not building in new infrastructure. They're not bringing technology into the into the industry. So there's just a fundamental weakness there that we saw. And we said, you know what, if we can add that technology, if we can add the human capital component, if we can actually add the the the, the capital component itself, we have a lot of opportunity to buy farms, consolidate infrastructure, vertically integrate the business, and really do something special. So we took it from a business that we viewed as competitive primarily to commercial real estate that we could really look at as a whole business enterprise. And now the goal is to leverage our backgrounds and take the company public in a few years. We'd be looking at the US market. So, you know, a lot of listeners obviously are coffee enthusiasts. I was shocked to hear mm-hmm. that stat that you just threw down. The yeah. what has been in the headlines recently has been it's just the price of coffee continues to go up dramatically because of bad weather in South America, in particular, like this drought frost issue that occurred, I think, in Brazil, maybe was a real challenge. I'm sure Colombia was affected as well. And then just overall supply chain problems. How has that played out in your own specific business? 
Yeah, it's interesting. What happens in Brazil controls what happens in in global coffee markets. They're responsible for over half the production, by far the largest producer, but they do also produce very typically very low end coffees, like the robusta coffees that that are are the poorer quality. Actually, what you've seen recently is coffee prices on this on the commodity markets going down, but for the consumer, it's almost meaningless because what prices on the supermarket bag, you know, they're not going to lower that just because the commodity price is going down. So in an inflationary environment where sellers are trying to make up for their, their the costs that they have to put into acquiring products and you've kind of positioned customers at a, at a fixed price point over the course of the last year or so since we've been fighting with the, the, the high inflation, you know, it's, it's been bad for the consumer, but from a cost of goods standpoint, a lot of the companies are actually doing better than they were about two years ago. Two years ago, because of those weather patterns that you mentioned, coffee prices reached the highest in a, on a commodity exchange that they've reached in the last 10 years, actually I think the last 13 years. But those have since, those have since come down some. So you're seeing some, some relief there. And you're right. It was primarily driven by weather in Brazil. But now I think I'd say, fortunately for us in Colombia, the weather patterns have shifted. We're in what's called the El Nino weather pattern, which leads, leads to a little bit drier weather, the right amount of rainfall. So we're actually expecting some pretty high production this year. And meanwhile, the addressable market for coffee consumers continues to just expand dramatically with a lot of these big companies like Starbucks, et cetera, trying to access the China market is kind of what I'm familiar yes. with, but I'm sure it's taking place across the globe as well, right? Yes. I mean, you have 2 billion cups of coffee consumed globally on a daily basis. I think that grows on average at about 25 basis points. So a small percentage, but big numbers when we're talking about growth on, on 2 billion cups of coffee. You said it exactly right. The The, the target now for... For most people, or I'd say some of these big big companies like a Starbucks or Nestle is, is to shift the Chinese market away from being so heavily dependent on, on tea and, and I'd say a lot of dehydrated coffee to, to more traditional, you know, go to the Starbucks, get your coffee, get your black coffee, drink different kind of beverages. Everybody thinks China is the next market that has to be tapped. I think from our standpoint, we still see a lot of potential with a market like the U.S. where people are already familiar with coffee, already familiar with the quality of Colombian coffee. China is not. You got to change the, the culture, which is, is not what we're trying to do. So related to that, you know, on your journey that you started with the coffee firm and how you've grown, et cetera, what's been the most challenging part? It's, it's, it's those daily... Learning to do business here. I mean, it's, it's, it's challenging. The banks are not, you know, it's when I was at the law firm and working for some of the clients we had there, you know, sometimes we didn't have clients that needed $300 million and they needed it overnight and we could do an issuance and, and get the money. Things do not work that way in Latin America. It's, it's in Colombia and, and it's that, that issue we can generalize and say that, you know, it's, it's just not as, fluid of, of a system. So understanding human nature down here, which I think is a little bit different, risk tolerance is definitely 
is definitely different. You know, the, the ability for these institutions to get their hands on capital that they can then lend, for example, is not as easy as if you're JP Morgan. So it's, it's understanding, you know, what, what motivates employees and management in, in the market here versus, you know, what would be the right tone, the right motivation, what the, the, the skill set that you need to kind of work with, work with high level or any staff level in, in Chicago or New York. It's, it's just different. You know, it's, it's a different way of, it's a different sense of urgency. It's the day-to-day stuff that you just have to figure out and, and continue to learn from, for sure. And right now you're just in Colombia, correct? Yes. Any plans to expand to other countries in South America? Our, our plan right now is to do the best job we possibly can with the businesses that we have. So as I mentioned, Green Coffee Company, we want to get that company public for investors that requires a tremendous amount of work. I mean, I probably spend 95% of my time on that business. We do have another portfolio investment that we seed funded back in 2019, but we don't have the hands-on that we, that we do with the, the coffee company there. We have about a 33% stake. We let management run that business more. For the coffee company, we have more responsibility to investors and thus kind of more hands-on involvement. But I... I think it's critical to stay focused on on doing a few things really well versus trying to go learn whether there's any opportunities in Bolivia or somebody else can figure that out. I want to prove concept and show that things can be done here uh, and, and do a great job for our investors before we think about other markets. And really it's what we're what I see is we're building a unique competitive advantage down here where more and more deals and things are coming our way, which makes me think maybe we just continue to focus here instead of trying to be trying to be everywhere. Yeah. Well, good for you. I know it's a lot of work. I can only imagine doing what Thank you're you. doing in a, in a foreign country, different language, different culture. It's, it's fun. A lot. It's fun. I like the challenge. Yeah. Well, you've got a good attitude about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I you know, appreciate you coming on and telling kind of the story and, and letting people know if people are interested in learning more about the firm, the investment thesis, the business plan, the market opportunity, what's the best way for them to engage with you all? I'd, I'd say we'll be back in the market potentially for some additional capital from the coffee company towards the end of this year. So we're not, not raising any money right now, but of course, we're always looking to engage with people. So if you're interested in what we're doing here in Columbia, you can find me easily on LinkedIn or you can visit our website. It's legacy-group.co and we'll get you in the database, keep you updated with what we're doing here and look forward to working with as many people as, as possible in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, a question that we have folks come on the show answer. Do you have a daily practice that helps bring peace to your life? Waking up early and, and exercising. That gives me a little time to call it do some active meditation. So go for a run, do it with no headphones or anything like that. And just think through my day and what are my priorities and what's the right mindset to take into the day. So I like to give myself that those couple of hours in the morning before things get busy to really remind myself to be patient, remind myself that things are not always as expected and to, you know, come and in, come into the day productive and, and with the right attitude. Love it. Thank you for sharing. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you, for, Yeah. Thank you for our listeners for tuning in. 
definitely encourage you to reach out to Adam. He's doing some cool things down there. The website also has some really good content. If you're curious about learning more about the investment thesis and, and the business plan they might have, please do leave us a review and a rating. And Adam, I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation on the Capital Club podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, rate, and leave us a review. And please follow us on your favorite streaming platform so you never miss an episode. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.